from the NLRPD to KTHV to behind the microphone. It's Scott Romine with Guatney Unplugged. Hi, Scott Romine with Watney Unplugged. Hope you're having a great Saturday. Very excited about our first guest here on the show. They are big fans of something that is just very dear and uh, to my heart, which is, of course, the movie Jaws uh, from 1975. We've got on the line Mike and Kathy Schultz. How are you guys? Hello, we're doing well. Hi, Scott. Great to hear from you guys. You guys, I'm sure, know way more about Jaws than I do, but you build these incredible uh, replicas of Bruce the Shark. Of course, that's sharkcityozark.com. I just want to talk to you about Jaws and, and what you guys do. Oh, when, I love that. When did you guys? When did you guys first hear the, uh, see this film? Uh, for me, I was about seven years old, eight years old when it came out the first time. Uh, saw it in theaters, Jacksonville, Florida. But uh, I, I never got to see the shark the first time the movie came out. We we uh, big hair was the thing back then. I was just a little kid, so the person in front of me would scream and stand up every time the shark, you know, popped up in the movie. So all I saw was her hairdo in the back of her, you know, shirt. Um, never realized what an awesome thing it was until Jaws came back around two years later to the theaters, and then I got hooked, and have been hooked ever since. I've always heard the first screening was in Dallas, Texas. Oh. I don't know if that's true or not, and I believe the first time he showed the movie, uh, Ben Gardner's head did not fall out. There was not that scare where he finds the tooth. Of course, everyone knows that scene. And that, right. was, and that was put in a little bit later or something. Kathy, do you remember all the buzz about Jaws? This was the first summer blockbuster. It was. Well, <laughs> I, was, I was a little young. The first time I saw it was on TV. We didn't, uh, we didn't go to the theater and see it, but I saw it on TV with my dad when I was nine. And uh, I, I don't remember the movie buzz, but I remember thinking, what is this I'm watching? I love it. <laughs> It, it, and how do you guys both love this stuff and find each other? How did that work out? You know, it, it's a it's a crazy Pro- providence. Yeah, I had to be. Uh, she was my best friend's little sister. I never knew existed until she walked in the door one day. <laughs> and do you have a sister? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Like now, <laughs> how were the original? Uh, of course. For people that don't know, the shark in Jaws is called Bruce, correct? Named after Sp- Spielberg's lawyer, I believe? Well, Joe told me, um, uh, Joe Alves, a friend of mine, uh, Calicor, they, they had a diff- all the kind of different names for the shark. They, uh, the Bruce name came a little bit later, but they usually called it that blankety, blankety, blank, or the shark. <laughs> uh, I gotcha. How were the original ones built, and how many of them were there? Well, uh, actually, four or five. Uh, there's people always say oh, there were there were three sharks: an open-sided shark on the left, an open on the right, and a toe shark. But there was later on a studio tank shark that was built out of what was left of the first three that they could get working again. And uh, then later on, a head, and of course, you had fins and tails and things like that. Uh, quite a few. It was literally a different shark or a different skin, or a different paint job, every single scene in the movie. See, I'd never heard that there was a, a, a tank shark, and I'm guessing that would have been the one you saw attacking the cage with Hooper in it? I'm just guessing? Some of the rushing at the camera scenes with the tank in his mouth were also shot in the tank. 
And uh, that was one of the best charts, actually. They, they had figured things out and uh, got things working better and padded more correctly and moving better. And, uh, of course, being in a studio tank instead of the seawater, it, uh, it held up better. Now, because the shark didn't work that great when they were making the film, I've always heard, how did that change the final movie? Well, it, it really helped them get a little more Hitchcockian about using camera and creativity to suggest things that would let the, the viewer kind of make up in their mind what was going on, picturing the shark in their own, in their own mind just below the surface. So it, I think it helped the movie quite a bit. In later movies, when they showed the shark a lot more, it didn't work as well. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times the scariest thing is what you cannot see. Right, right. It's in your imagination now, you know. <laughs> are the sharks, are the ones built and used in the first movie, are those the ones in in the sequels? Not really. Um, now, for Jaws 2, it's pretty much the same body, but a different head. Uh, there's a lot of brutes still in that shark, but... The molds were pretty worn out uh, from the first movie. The molds were in six-foot sections back then, and they literally kind of used the body molds to make another body and a separate head and make a different kind of mold for the Jaws 2 shark. So it was, it was close, but no cigar. And then, of course, you got into Jaws 3. They had nine different sharks, but none of them looked similar to each other. And, and you know, further on with the other movie, and... And they yeah. just never got the same. They never three, got the same. Three and four are uh, racing to the bottom. Those those two are just not not very good movies. You know, it's still Jaws, but I guess I don't know. It just it's just, hard to beat that first one. Yeah, you can't beat the first one. You you can't get that that genie in a bottle kind of everything. Everybody, you have the right people at the right time, all doing the right thing, and it just never recaptured it. Really good editing. Really good acting. You know, oh, yeah. Incredible. Just solved special effects problems on the fly. Just that's that's very perfect. true. It's so, it's, the first one is just unbelievable. And I love the second one, honestly. What is there a certain Bruce that is considered the, the definitive Bruce? Is there a certain shark that's kind of considered that's, that's the one everyone thinks of? Because I know there are a lot of different ones. Yes, the, uh, the first jaw shark. And uh, it's the jowls and just the monsterish look to it. Um, I did some work with uh, Sandy Berman about 30 years ago. They're the ones who supplied the material for the skin. And they sent me quite a bit of material on it for, I think, my third or fourth mechanical shark that I made. And with this skin, it's very hydroscopic. It absorbed water, and it never would retain its shape very well. So you ended up with a really monstrous-looking shark at the end uh, especially the end scenes where the the skins were just completely waterlogged and repainted a dozen times over just to get whatever scenes they could in the can. And it was that swelling and I think uh, not bagginess, but misproportioning around the face that just made it look like more like a universal monster than a, the real shark, you know. And I think that's what really did it. Um, they tried to copy that for Jaws 4. They used a foam that absorbed water for the skin of a fourth shark because they wanted to recapture how the face would expand and, and swell and just kind of get more monsterish than sharkish. And I, I don't think they, they got it perfectly like Jaws. You never can recapture that first. Did they actually blow up one of the prop sharks? No, they just had an exploding head. It was a, a, a foam rubber head uh, that they had to kind of buoy and weight down. 
and uh, actually used dynamite on it and a lot of red paint. <laughs> I guess they did. Hey, whatever happened to all the original sharks from Jaws? I know one ended up in like a junkyard on a pole or something somewhere in California, I think. Well, they've all, uh, yeah, they've all rotted away. The moles were used for ride sharks. Uh, Universal's not known for taking care of their, their props after the, the film is in the can. Uh, everything was left to rot. Uh, the orca actually rotted on the back lot and sunk, and they pulled it out and bulldozed it. You know, uh, I know that upset uh, Stephen to no end. Uh, really got mad with them for doing that. Everything's pretty much lost. Uh, the last few things I know of that survived, of course, were the junkyard Bruce, which has been rescued and restored by Greg uh, and will be in the new Hollywood Museum, uh, actually revealed this year. Uh, it's a fiberglass pole from the original molds that used to be on display in the back lot. So uh, that's going to be neat to see the restored sculpt of what Bruce was intended to look like before he got all swollen and, and waterlogged on location and with the rubber skins. And when you say Greg, uh, you mean Greg Nicotero, right? The, the Walking uh, Dead guy. Greg Nicotero, yeah. Yeah. That, Quite a few of our sharks, actually. We're talking with Mike and Kathy Schultz. They have Shark City Ozark. They build these incredible replicas of the shark from Jaws. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys, have you ever ventured into the water or got interested in scuba diving or doing anything related where you might see real sharks? Well, as a, as a growing up, because I was so into sharks, I was always catching sharks, um, hundreds of them. I would attend uh, shark fishing tournaments and study the ones, and I was dissecting them so I could learn what made them tick. Uh, just always had a passion for the sharks, um, that were in the area in Florida where I used to live and learning about them. Um, and then unbelievably, as I'm growing up, they started to become less and less the, the bad guys and people started, you know, passing laws to save them and take care of them and treat them right. So always been into them. Oh yeah. I mean, I've dove with sharks and swam with sharks and I mean, I totally get that. Uh, in fact, I went out to the Monterey Bay Aquarium when they had a great white on display, and they said that when a great white is on display, our attendance is tripled. And I think they're the only ones that successfully have had a great white in captivity four or five times, but it's been quite a few years before since they've done that. I think ultimately Jaws did more positive for sharks than negative, even though you could say that he's portrayed in a negative light, you know, eating people constantly. But wouldn't you think that it really has contributed to conservation? That's what Wendy thinks. We we uh, we spoke in I believe Jaws Fest 2012, uh, Wendy eventually, and um, she feels that yes, the movie you know did demonize, but it raised everybody's awareness quite a bit to you know these great animals and what they are, what they really did. You know, back then you only had fishermen telling you these things jump out of the water, and people would see the movie and go, "Oh, that's fake. They don't do that." And now, of course, they've got four sequels to their jaws, showing that white sharks do jump out of the water. People are amazed by them now, and they're seeing that you know you shouldn't play with them and pet them and swim with them because they do have mouths, and if they have a mouth, they can bite you. But they are magnificent. They're not trying to hunt you down and kill you. They're like any predator, like any tiger. If you treat a predator with respect, you you know you get to keep your fingers that day and some really great memories or photos. So there, you mentioned a Jaws Fest. So there's enough fans of this to support an event, I guess, once in a while. Where is that held and what's that involved? Um, they seem to come every three or four years. Um, it's just something usually thrown together by the fans, usually Martha Vineyard. 
Uh, last one I was at was 2012. Uh, I, I couldn't stay for the whole thing, had to get back. Uh, Sci-Fi sci Channel had hired us to make a mechanical shark for their ghost shark film. Uh, actually, it was a replica of the Bruce Shark. Uh, but that's the last one that I, I know of that I was able to attend. Of course, just about everybody was there that is still surviving that I can think of, right down to, uh, well, Alex Kibber lived there. Um, Hendrix came and visited. Sure. Uh, it was a neat thing. Of course, you know, for those that don't know, uh, Amity Island, I guess, is Martha's Vineyard, basically, correct? I should have said that. Yep, that's what it is. You can hit all the locations. They're still there after all these storms and all these centuries, or decades, I should say. And he jumps off the bridge. Uh, yeah, <laughs> jumping off Shaw's Bridge, you have to do that if you go to Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> and you get that lady to slap you. That would, that would be fun. That would be fine, but she won't, she won't do it anymore because of liability. Oh, really? <laughs> nice lady. <laughs> Darn lady won't slap folks anymore, you know. Right. Well, a lot of the people in that film were locals, correct? Yes. Yeah. They made use of local color, as they, as they put it. Okay, so you guys build these replicas of the shark from Jaws. What really sets the Jaws shark apart from a real great white? Because obviously it doesn't really look like a real great white. And is that intentional? Well, they did a really good job. A man named Chandler is the man who sculpted it uh, for, for Joel. And if when you see the, the restored Bruce shark, um, when they released, when they opened up the museum in Hollywood that has this restored um, prop from Jaws, you're going to see what the original sculpt looked like. And the original sculpt was very white shark-like. They did a very, very good job. They had a hard time getting, um, trying to figure out how the mouth would close without making the cheeks bulge out like a Muppet. So they had to sculpt in some jowls, a little bit of a hinge work like a fish would have, like a bass or a tiger shark. And I think those jowls are really what sets the jaw shark apart from a real white shark and all the other sequel sharks. It's very, looks very, very muscular, almost like, Conan with a great big jowl, you know, uh, jaws, and uh, looks like muscular detail. And they just never recaptured that monstrous look to it, that incredibly detailed paint job. You know, when you look at the Jaws 2 shark, it was basically light gray and dark gray. You look at the Jaws shark, and it was just spectacularly detailed with blood and gore and little scratches and scars, and they just, every little pore. A lot of detail and thought. They have the right people working on that thing and painting it, maintaining it. Have you ever considered making a one-to-one -one scale? We get asked that about every two weeks, and I always tell people if the funding is there, uh, I will definitely do that. Yeah, that would be quite a project. Tell us about the ones that you build and offer, because you offer like numerous different versions uh, of the Jaws shark. We uh, yes, we sell. Oh, my goodness. Over the last 11 years, we've done about 45 different uh, products, uh, all different jaw sharks, all your sequel sharks. I mean, just for the first movie alone, uh, there will be 11 to 15 different prototypes, ranging in sizes from 16 inches to uh, 53 inches. Uh, we're doing a third-scale head this year. We've got life-size white shark heads that we, we make and sell, all the sequel sharks, all in their little mechanical arm stands. It's just a lot of fun. It's stuff that I always wanted growing up, and nobody ever put out. Yeah, that's right. I mean, are you? I guess you guys are one of the only people doing this. It looks like a, an incredibly tedious thing to build. It is a lot of work. It, yes, it is. Uh, nobody was doing it when we did. A couple of people have tried and failed, but that's because basically their sharks just didn't nail 
the, the look of the, the shark in the film. Um, a lot of people, when they get into it, they want to do a shark because it's so neat, but they don't do the research and see, oh, there was, you know, four or five different sharks in the movie, and you can't conglomerate them all into one piece and expect it to look right. You've got to do either a, a platform shark or a coast-led shark. You know, you have to study the material for that particular thing and get it narrowed down. And that's what we've done with the sequel sharks. We've got um, busts that are one-six scale. We've got um, three-footers. Um, that are full length from head to tail. And, uh, you know, it's just so neat to work on a Jaws 2 shark. Brucette, Scarface is what we call her. And uh, just to paint that burn scar detail, it, it, it's just fun. All, all the years growing up, they, you just never saw that in any stores. Nobody ever really did it because it's, it's hard. It's, it's a lot of work. Uh, with a dinosaur, you can hide scenes very easily. In wrinkles and scales with a shark, it's very, very smooth skin, so everything has to be perfect, or your eye will be drawn to it, and it's just not good. What, why do you think it is that, you know, sharks are so popular? Shark Week is the biggest week every year on Discovery. Uh, everyone loves this kind of stuff, 47 meters down. Why does Universal Studios tend to ignore the top shark movie ever made that started them all? They've shut down the ride. They don't really make any merchandise. And there's no sequels. It really kind of doesn't make sense to me. Well, there, there's a couple of answers to that. The shark rides are very, very expensive to maintain. Even in fresh water, the skins just don't last, and the upkeep is, is pretty astronomical. Um, I, can, I can understand that there's a bottom line that they have to maintain. And as far as merchandising goes, a lot of people really aren't working with uh, Universal because of their their copywriting, and uh, their requirements. They, they tend to want to control the project and have everything done their way. And it, um, most of the people I have worked with, uh, Sideshow um, and others, they've, they've worked with Universal once, maybe twice, and never go back. It's just a lot of legal loopholes and, and hard, hard, hard things to um, jump through. A lot of hoops. <laughs> I got you. Kathy, what is your favorite uh, thing to do with the, these Project Sharks? Uh, as far as making them? As far as making them, yeah, sure. Oh, I just I work a lot with miniature, the miniature works, making the stands and all the little Easter egg things we throw in there, like a little tool or a little, uh, <laughs> little can of soda or something like that. I like to work on that. She's being shy. She paints sharks, molds sharks, casts sharks. You know, I've seen you do the scuba tank, of course, that gets thrown in his mouth and, and the barrels, you know, everyone knows. The, the, the cable that the Jaws 2 chomps on, that's fun to, to work on, too. It's just uh, everything has a story to it. When I'm making it, it just seems like uh, try to try to have a story in my mind when I'm when I'm making it. What what were they doing at that particular moment? And it's just it's real fun. It's it's like playing. <laughs> they are the neatest replicas I've seen. They really are. What are some price ranges? If people want to go to SharkCityOzark.com and order one of these replica jaws, where does the price ranges start and where do, where do, what does it go up to? I'm curious. Well we're we're coming out with smaller sharks. Of course you know, we can't go too small and make them free. We're always getting people asking for free. But um, between, uh, for the smaller sharks that aren't as much work as something as big as you, uh, around the $300 range is where you, you come out. Uh, there's just an enormous amount of investment creating these 
prototypes and investing in these massive molds and machines to make the molds work. And there's just a lot of work to make those seams disappear and get the, the paint just scale accurate, you know. Sure. Of course, we customize everything to a, whoever orders one. We say, send in your favorite screen grab, and we'll, we'll customize that paint job for you. And then, of course, we go very large scale. Um, like I said, we do life-size white shark heads, so you can imagine how large that is. A lot of the boxes we ship are the size of refrigerators and furniture. So it can get pretty expensive, especially when people want to customize things that we you know, are completely have to be made from scratch. I got you. Well, thank you so much. We're out of time. What's your website? Where can somebody order one of these sharks? SharkCityOzark.com. Thank you so much, Mike and Kathy Schultz. Thanks for being on Guatney Unplugged. We'll be right back after this.